Um, and he just did brilliant. So, like, yeah, hats w- off, wouldn't yeah. be like us as Irish people to be getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, anyway. <laughs> you buy the lottery ticket, you I know we're putting the World Cup in our hands. We're giving Josh World Player of the Year, so we probably need to calm down. A yeah. bit, in fairness, Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea and as always I'm joined by the lovely Lindsay Pete. And also today we have a Sharks and Ulster legend Louis Ludic is in the room. How are you guys? Yeah. All right. Queer Mora. Queer <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you very much. <laughs> uh, Thanks for having me. Louis was teaching us a bit of Afrikaans uh, beforehand. Do you want to say it there Lindsay? Queer Mora. To Louis and to everyone watching. Uh, so that's Afrikaans for good morning. Yeah, we have so. a couple of Afrikaans supporters, actually. So hopefully you said it right. We don't get abused in the comments. No, but I think we're going to get abused from uh, our discussion, which will take place probably for the big match over the weekend. <laughs> but we leave that. So hopefully no one will be offended. But listen, yeah. we're amongst friends now this morning. So exactly. We're to it. But before we figure out what's going on in Louis's life, how was your weekend, Lindsay? I had a cracking weekend. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit sore. We had a, a Dublin 4 derby against Sol Belter, which came out 15-11 winners. Oh, tight match. Finally, you had yes. good stuff with the oh manners God. on you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You know, one of those mornings where you kind of roll and you're like a, a surfboard. You roll out of the bed. I've had that the last two mornings. But uh, nice. good LD4 battle and we came out the right side of it. Good stuff. Um, it was my 42nd birthday on Saturday. No way. Happy yeah. belated birthday. Thank you very I'm so much. sorry I didn't take you on the don't day. Don't be worrying, honey. Don't be worrying. Did you have cake and everything? Lemon drizzle for breakfast. The only time you don't <laughs> feel guilty when you have a cake for your breakfast. So, yeah, listen, I was spoiled rotten and... Uh, had takeaway and watched the men's game then after mm-hmm. and an Ireland win. So all I wanted was uh, obviously celebrated. Uh, my son shared me. It was more so his birthday, you know. That's the way it is with kids. <laughs> uh, and then a railway win and a, an Ireland win. So it was a great weekend. Lovely weekend. Wow! Well, if I'm in half as good a shape as you are when I'll I'm 42, I'll be a lucky man. Um, and Louis Ludic, you are. A legend of the game in your own right. You played 70 times in Super Rugby, which is one of the toughest competitions to play in. You played for the Sharks. And then you came up to Agen for a while before hopping up north in Ireland and you played for Ulster for two seasons. So how have you been? I've been good, thank you. Yeah, it's being retired is a little bit different than playing, but I'm really enjoying Ireland. So that's been good. It's been really, really good. Yeah, you retired just last year, right? Yeah. And you've been finding it hard to kind of transition into normal life or are you loving it? Yeah, it's, it was quite d- different. So the the door was quite shut for me. Mm-hmm. So in November 2020, I got a bad concussion. So got knocked out and um, couldn't. I was still contracting until June. And so I really struggled to get back and was training with the team and just got headaches. And one, I was meant to play and did a bit of contact in the in the warm up. And the doctor said, um, called me in on the Monday and said, yeah. "Listen, it's it's better just to to call it a day. It's it's no use." You just you're getting a bit older, so but also like it's not worth it no, to keep on pushing your yourselves health. and not your health exactly. So he just said, "Listen, let's just call it a day." And it was quite nice from also that was in March 21, but my contract ran until June. Yeah. But then they said, "Listen, just we know you have a business. Go go and do that. You can come in whenever you want, but go and do your thing." And yeah, I just jumped straight into business. So oh, it was it wasn't like it was a was the one day I was a professional rugby player, the next day yeah. I jumped right into the business. So it it was was just flat out from the beginning. So I think that that definitely helped helped me massively. 
That's what so, we support, isn't it? That is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was wrong. You actually had seven seasons with Ulster, not two. Seven. Seven. Yes. Oh, From wow. 20, <laughs> 2013, was it? You went to France? Yeah. yeah. Went to France 2013 and then 2014 I came over. And did you just have the one year contract in France or you just... No, I... It was a bit of a story, so... And oh God, th- of course I would unearth the story. <laughs> so to, I, I was there, I signed for three years actually. And while I was there, Ruan Pinar phoned me. And I don't know if you remember, um, Stuart Hogg, there was a big thing about Alster. Stuart Hogg was meant to meant come to and there was yeah. contract issues with him. And they and Ruan said, listen, Alster's looking for a fullback. It's it's a big maybe, but are you available? I'm like, I'll, not really, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and we we were pro to do. So whenever I signed for Agen, they were top 14. And then I went there or they got demoted. Um, and then I went went there anyway. So, But I had a clause in my contract. If we don't go up again, oh, you could come I out. could get, come out. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, and then we played, yeah. we played against La Rochelle in the final for the pro to do. That was a Sunday. And I got the contracts on Monday. And as it works in France, you everything go, goes through the postal system. So you need to write a letter of resignation. Yeah. So and the I think I think the Friday was a holiday. So it was meant to go out on the Wednesday for them to receive it on the Thursday to yeah. make it legal. So that's when the cutoff date was. So I oh literally had a day to make a decision. To write to, your letter. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so like to make that decision yeah. of am I going, what am I doing? Yeah. So then uh, it was tough because like France is amazing, the food yeah. and the drink. And, and it the was, weather, let's and be the, honest. The and the weather, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. we... They're also much more chilled over in France, aren't they? Yeah. In relation to training and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah their stories, it's it's way more relaxed, especially pro It's very relaxed. But I was a bit young. I think I was 26, 27. So I was a bit young to, yeah. to play there. I really wanted to play still top, top rugby. So... Whenever I spoke to Ruan and said, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to come and you want to play. And Ulster has such a good, good reputation all around the world. And so many guys, South Africans yeah. played for Ulster, so which helped. So um, made the decision and yeah, haven't looked back since. Yeah, you're happy with the decision anyway. You had a good Very few much. seasons at Ulster. Yeah, yeah really enjoyed a, it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you had to retire now due to concussion, would you say mm. that was the main reason yeah. why you had to... Mm. That is obviously a very prevalent thing at the moment in rugby. And I don't know if we really want to delve into it this early in the podcast. It's fairly deep. But um, what would your opinion be on the concussion and where it is at the moment in world rugby? Yeah, it's 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 a very difficult one because, like, we all love playing. You, you, we love the contact, uh, like, especially our South Africans. Like, we love the yeah. contact area, especially myself. I, yeah, put my heads in places I should not, probably would not have. <laughs> and that's why I had probably a few concussions. But you love the game and it's part of it. So you sign up for it and you, we love it dearly. So you can't really change the the physical side of things. And I know the World of Rugby, they, they're trying to protect players, yeah, which is great. But, like, it's going to – it's so quick. Like, because when, whenever I had my – um, my knock it wasn't bad technique or anything I just my head was on the wrong side of the the tackle but it happened so quickly you can't so really like adjust a yeah it was yeah. a guy broke the line and I went in and I actually thought he was going to step inside me but he didn't he just ran straight so instead of my head being on the left it was on the right and his his, his oh, knee God, knocked yeah. me oh. so but those things happen and it's it's great that world rugby all they can do is try and protect and with laws etc so which is great to see and especially provinces and and clubs they they try and help and like whenever you get knocked i think now they've changed it from 
six days to 50 like it's there's yeah, a few days extra the international anyway, yeah. yeah so which is great yeah. i think that is like that is what you want to see and to protect players that's the most important thing yeah it is it's a, it's a crazy area and as you said there's just the nature of the game mm -hmm. but it's just becoming more um more of a worry now so i don't know if you you Lindsay, you you've kind of dealt with concussions but like as you you're said you're 42 now yeah. i think ryan jones is in around 42 and he just got diagnosed with early onset dementia mm -hmm. and it's kind of the you're kind of playing a game with your with your life and gambling with your life i don't know what you make of it all Lindsay. really yeah no it's hard well i think credit to the medical staff at ulster for you because i think that's a big thing we've spoken about before when jason's been on as well like you know, for players, we want to play. That's the trained athletes we are. And you want to be that mature, responsible adult mm. that makes the right decision on your health. But it's always a conflict between heart and head. So it's testament to medical staff who take that decision mm. out of your hand. And that's what we kind of want more of from World Rugby, that it's not about the money or the product. The players actually are a person behind all this. And there's a life beyond rugby. Mm. Um, and that is sacred and we need to maintain that. So, yeah, like, like I was guilty. We had a collision of heads at our game, you know, and it was just a split and... You know, you kind of just want to be that good teammate that says, no, you're grand, you know, get it back up. And then kind of totally the referee mm. said to me, really? And I said, yeah, no, you're right. She needs to come off, you know, so you have to come yourself flicking back in there. Mm. And even myself, I've had huge like we talk about, um, you know, killer with Munster in Ireland, you know, having severe neck injuries. But yeah, probably now that I'm a bit older, I'll pick and choose what rucks you go into. You'll pick and choose what tackles, you know, mm. but you don't want to be so sensible either because mm. you rugby is a game. If you're kind of tentative, you get injured as well. So. Like you said, there's always going to be collisions, but I think we just need to... Like, we'll talk about the, the Colby, um, Steph Detroit tackle on, on Matt Hansen. Hansen. And I thought, to be honest, I'm going to say it outright, it was a red for me because of how he landed. Mm. And we do have a responsibility and it's hard, but... Um, and we would two two yellow cards for high tackles in the women's semi-final with New Zealand. So we just need to be so strict and consistency, mm. consistency on the laws and how we're going to do it. So we can only do so much. We're never mm. going to eradicate it fully, but it's about maintaining it after taking the responsibility away. Medical staff stepping up as is World Rugby. And again, I think just consistency and just no tolerance policy on bad technique or the Bundy issue that we have we saw with his his ban and stuff like that. So yeah, just ill-discipline um, and try and eradicate all that we can, so. Yeah, Lindsay, what you said there as well is the technique. Like yeah. that is massive, because I, I don't know the, the st stats, but like so many concussions happen when, mine included, where there was, um, where it was a bit of bad technique. Yeah. Like that's the big thing. And well, yours was split second. I mean, a man on a second. break or a player on a break, yeah. you just to make that decision. Exactly, second, yeah. Know? And it's it's so quick, but that is such a vital thing is mm. is for um, for technique. That tackle technique is so, so especially for younger players, because that's probably what's going to happen as well. Younger guys are going to play and it's going to become quicker. That's going to be, become more prevalent so they like technique for coaches is going to be yeah. the most important thing i think for 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 rugby going forward yeah definitely yeah it's it, that's kind of the the weird dichotomy of rugby is that the reason why it's such a cool sport and people love it across the world is that rawness of it that it's yeah. just men and women just running head first mm. into each other and that's why people go to it mm. that's why i was over um, in america a couple of weeks ago talking about rugby and went to an nfl game and the supporters can't believe that we play it without pads and helmets and stuff they're just like it's a scrum cap like a helmet like no scrum <laughs> cap's not really doing anything yeah and you think they'd be more protected with the helmet and sure yeah. they're not, it's <laughs> not. Like, rugby is like if you're looking at it face on it's barbaric where it comes back to your points is it has to come down to technique because mm. 
I was I was watching a documentary the other day, the Harlequins documentary on Amazon Prime, and there's a nice stats throughout mm-hmm. around concussion. And one of them is around the size of rugby players has increased like fourfold since mm-hmm. 1970s. And it's the biggest increase in player size in any sport across the world. Yeah. We're just getting bigger and stronger mm-hmm. and yeah. the impacts are just mm-hmm. through the roof. Um, and it has to come down now to coaches, as you said, at grassroots, mm-hmm. grassroots level to teach kids to be tackling between like mm-hmm. ankles and, and um, below the chest mm-hmm. or people are going to get knocked out yeah. like yourself. And I'm just glad that you're sitting here and you're okay, you're functioning yeah. and you're not like mm-hmm. touch wood, Ryan Jones, who now has a young family and do you know what I mean? He's early onset dementia. So yeah. it's definitely an area of the game that I'm um, hopefully is going to improve. But and the other thing is everyone's giving out about world rugby and the laws and the medical side of it. But they're just doing the best they can with medicine at the time. They're trying to come up with the laws as medicine improves. Oh, no, 100%. Do you know what and I mean? So life evolves, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, like we're talking about your concussion, but like women's concussion doesn't have a, a you know, huge depth of research the shape of our bodies are different so our technique is going to be hugely different compared to how uh, men tackle because of your shape like we've wider hips we're shorter a lot of ours is whiplash a lot mm. of the concussion it's poor tackle technique so our evolution as to how we manage concussion on the female side of things is ridiculously different and the more research is done and we we don't have a lot of research done on only females there's actually been some mixed gender which isn't really comparable because we're just just different makeups you know yeah. there's no sexism comes into it that's just the harsh facts of it you know so mm. I think no no one's pointing fingers I think it's just as I said no more than with world rugby and the medicine that this consistency um, into their I suppose honouring you know players and you know the duty of care to players so yeah. no one can ask you know they'll do the best decision it is at the time and evolve as research comes in and that you know we keep going into that so no I think it's it's always going to be probably like you said it's barbaric you know really <laughs> that there's not more injuries yeah. you know like we we saw that at the weekend you know so many injuries even before half time like just two teams going out of hammer and tongs and it was just someone going to come out of it and as a player you kind of come off going yeah you know I gave it everything and yeah. you know it's testament to mm-hmm. me um so no I think it's just look there's no black and white answer on this we just have to keep you know, not shirking any responsibility and, and as much as possible have that duty here to people. A hundred percent, yeah. And you mentioned the game there, the big game of the weekend, Ireland against South Africa in the Viva Stadium. We're sorry now, Louis, but it was a great win for Ireland. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and can I tell you a funny story about my mother just to break the ice before we get in, right? Etzabeth made his break, you know, for the callback of the kicking at the rook, the rook infringement. And my mom's going, run, run, run. And we, the whole family just whipped their head. And we're like, what? And she goes, for 68 minutes, I've been thinking that Ireland are playing in green and we're like, oh, oh my God's yeah. sake. I know. I was like, and you know, she's not sporty at all. And the fact that she was roaring at the telly, we were so proud of her. And then we're like, oh, God, she just made a mess of that. So we're like, fine. The jerseys were a bit confusing, actually, in fairness. The navy jerseys in Ireland, green for mm. South Africa. But um, uh, 1916, so the number one team in the world, Ireland, beat the world champion South Africa. It was a good game. Did you, you were you at it, Louis, or did you watch it on TV? No, watching on TV. That was a brilliant it? game. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, like you said, it was so competitive and was straight from from the beginning. It yeah. was just vicious. Like it was just <laughs> it, was. it was just brilliant. It was hundred miles an hour from from the get go. And uh, a lot of talk was about South Africa like taking this as a just like a you know taking it easy and just we'll see how it goes but you could see they wanted this win yeah. and especially with someone like Rossi Erasmus with all that he's done coming back first game back like whenever he's there they they play for him like and we'll talk about it probably a little bit later about the comment that <laughs> he made all tweets yeah the <laughs> tweets and like we can jump into that but I think it is it's smart from him because yeah. he takes the pressure off the players and that's 
I don't, I don't, that's the type of person he is. He thinks further than just mm -hmm. like, what are people going to say? He doesn't care. Like his players, like there's a lot of stuff that happened in the game and guys that probably would have gotten attention and like question marks. He's taking that away. Everyone's talking about Everybody's talking now. about him and what yeah. he's tweeted about. And that is, that's a smart coach. But that even pregame, he did that. And even uh, Khaleesi and, mm, and, you know, mm. they're, um, their pregame kind of build up to it. it was like, oh, Ireland are good, you know, they're number one, the, you know, mm -hmm. New Zealand. So he, you are right. It's a great leadership skill mm -hmm. to actually take that pressure off and considering their force changes with Willems mm -hmm. at 10 and, you know, Colby at fullback, you know, those players, instead of now having the spotlight on them for those mm -hmm. positional changes, now, exactly. you know, it's all about Razzie. And I think, yeah, he's done that post-match yeah. as well. And it also shows like he's going to, he's, he's got the players' backs. Mm -hmm. And that as a player, that's all he wants. You want a coach to be on your side and not just say it, but walk it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And whenever the, the, the um, going gets tough, he steps up and he he takes the heat a lot of times. And yeah. like, I just think it's, it's clever from him. You got to respect it. Like he does mm -hmm. what he wants really, to yeah. be honest. And I just want to ask you, Louis, being a South African and obviously a, a well-established rugby player, Razzie named his team like a week early mm. and he was very exact with what he was doing and what his plan was. What do you think the reason was behind that to take pressure off players again? In in the Southern Hemisphere, especially in in, um, in Super Rugby, we always announce the team very early. It's all it's always been like that. Almost on the Tuesday, you know who who's playing. Everybody knows who's playing from both sides. So it for me it was quite weird. Even in France, it was literally the day. As a player, you only heard the day before you played. So oh, did you? Yeah, That's it was mad. bizarre. Yeah. Um, but. Obviously, over here, you know, on Monday, they announce a team, but the public only knows, I think, on a Thursday, maybe, or the day before. But like, over there, it's 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 always like that. But I think it's also a bit of a tactic, you know, like you never know what he's, he's thought is about um, behind it. You don't have to. But I think because that's that's what a lot of times mm. it's the way that it's done in the Southern Hemisphere, they just put it out there and they just focus on the game. They don't want to play that yeah want to play mm. that game so it's it's just the way that it's normally done it's definitely a talking point as well and another talking point was Cheson Colby just came back from his jaw break and he played four games mm. for Toulon and then they put him straight in at full back mm. what did you make of his selection at full back he'd be more so an out and out winger right yeah yeah definitely a more a, a winger but he, he played quite a lot of full back and he played like he's playing everywhere for mm. Toulon I think he played an out half he played and um, played a bit of fullback. So he's, he, he can play wherever. Yeah. And it was quite interesting. I think the fact that uh, obviously Pollard is injured and Damien was the fullback. And I think maybe the, like it's, it's a good time also to, to trial it because it's, mm. it's worked out previously whenever Damien went into 10. So he, he's making those trials and tests now. Mm. Not He doesn't have to do that in the World Cup. So he sees like... That it's if it worked or not, and like obviously it it didn't work out perfectly. But whenever mm. it's a, it's a different game, and Colby might have a bit more space and a bit more kicking, you would have thought he would get a bit more ball yeah. on, on fullback, but he didn't. And would you back Williamson at out half? I'd prefer him at fullback personally, yeah, but you know more yeah. than me. No, definitely fullback. Yeah, I love him as a player. Like whenever last year he came off the bench a couple of times, like he just 
He's but a game everything. changer. He's a game, yeah. and it gives everything. Like it, it just throws his body into. The, uh, probably not. Um, that's me also with a concussion, so <laughs> he needs to watch out. But like he just, uh, he's so passionate and just go for yeah. it. So that. But he's that's a baller. He's, he's only twenty four. Yeah. That feet is. He's too. It's too structured at ten. I think for him, he's too yeah. tight. He needs to move the forwards and so for a fullback, he has the free reign to do yeah. what he wants. Yeah, but then you look at Mackenzie on Friday night for the All Blacks, and he's like, he's a ball playing ten, and he's not as orthodox. So like. Yeah. I think the the team and the game plan mm. has to facilitate the player yeah. and he's mm. very different to Pollard and yeah. uh, I think it was always going to be the battle of the young 10 and the old 10 um, I didn't think he did too bad but like the game kind of changed it had everything it was broken play it was a bit more physical mm. we probably didn't see him but I think I like your point because it's we've we've seen now the depth Ireland have and we'll kind of talk about that as the conversation goes on um, which is a positive for us going into mm. next year mm. um, but I think yeah no more than you guys to test Colby and Willemse at 10 and mm. fullback worst case scenario they can fit in there yeah. because Willemse mm. if I'm not mistaken wasn't even in the World Cup squad the last time mm. then with injuries mm. got called in and players mm. have to be ready yeah. um, so the same no more than England and Australia like the autumn internationals are to blood players in different mm. positions and just take yeah. the opportunity and kind of strike this off like it was still a close game considering you'd force mm. changes yeah. really to be fair yeah and um, like it's it's great for competition as well because when you saw when Billy LaRue came on like he had some game. You could see like with him and Faf coming on. Yeah, they made were, a huge mm, difference. Like difference. you just see like they just brought a lot of energy and the game just like it, it changed a little bit. Momentum changed and they, they had such a good game. And it's, it's good for, for that mentality and for the competition within yeah. the squad as well. So. so Louis, based off that, do you think that next year, less than 12 months away from the World Cup, that a sub out half could be an issue for South Africa if, say, if Andre Pollard gets injured and Willem says not fully established there and obviously Elton Yankees was messing around and he probably won't be back in the squad yeah. and there's just a bit of an issue there like mm. Ireland have that kind of problem but we mm. just have too many second string tens to pick from yeah. where who do you think would step in if Andre Pollard is not available yeah it's it's a it's a very difficult one and um, Pollard is by f like uh, by f almost the same with Sexton number one same probably yeah. with like Pollard is by far the first choice so and especially with Yankees being out now it's it's very tough so Damien, I think it'd be good for him this autumn series mm -hmm. to play a bit of 10. I don't think, I hope Rossi wouldn't make any changes. I think it'd be good for him to get a bit of um, experience at continuity 10. Continuity. Continuity. Yeah. I think it, it's, it, it'd be vital for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe throw Colby in there. You, you just don't know. But yeah, long, uh, a long um, answer short. Yeah, I think it can be a, a problem for South Africa next year if Pollard's not there. Like, it, it might be a problem. Yeah, well, hopefully not. And anyone looking for some light reading, look up Elton Yankees and what he did with the nutritionist in South Africa. It's good It's good reading. <laughs> I won't get into it right now. Uh, let, <laughs> let's talk. Which is <laughs> <laughs> a reason why he's not in the team. Yeah. Um, so talking about the actual game, after 35 minutes, it was 3-all. Yes. Who's going to get the first try here? And then we lost three players. We lost Stuart McClure. McCluskey, yep. my heart goes out to Stuart McCluskey. Like oh, he finally got back game. in. He mm. was playing. I'd say he was the best back at the time, yeah. Yeah. and I think he did his wrist or his shoulder. Hopefully, it's not too injured. But you yeah. played with him obviously for a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. I was gutted for him. Yeah. He played so. I was so happy for him. Like obviously, um, Henshaw pulling out is not always great. But when I saw his starting, mm. I was so delighted for him because last couple of years for Ulster, he's been immense. Oh, he's been sublime, yeah. So he's so been just unfortunate with the with the depth that Ireland has. So I was so happy for him but <laughs> getting injured I felt so sorry for him and um, he had a like you said he was 
definitely the best back on the on the pitch at that time. Yeah, game. I I actually think that if he'd gone the full game and Ireland getting the win, it would have really stuck his hand up for being in the World Cup squad and being that centre. Mm. Obviously behind Gary and Robbie, like, but hundred percent. Mm. Oh, I felt so bad for him, but I'm hoping now it, it hasn't come out in the media yet. I don't think Pat, but we don't know what the severity of his injury yet. No, we'll find out probably later on today. Don't have an announcement. Yeah, it seems. I to think be it's shoulder. Well, yeah. a couple of different reports. We'll see. Anyway, sure. We we'll hope you're all right, man. Yeah. And Conor Murray went off. I think he popped his hamstring. Poor fella on his hundred cap. Mm. He was god at going off. Mm. Yeah. Poor fella. How like how sad would he be getting hundred caps and coming off after thirty five minutes? Or do you think he'd be he'd be okay with that? I think do you know what um, the vibe from all the interviews, right? Post and pre match, just um, gave Conor Murray the the dedication he deserved for hundred caps and joining a league club of what only five you know predecessors you know and and all-time greats of Irish rugby so I think he you know between his you know his teammates his family I loved his boots with his family's net initials I think was on one side and Joanna his fiance was on the other so I think he got a lot of love and he was very emotional after the game and like he said himself it was hard in the build-up to mark the 100th you know cap which was such a milestone in his career but I thought he did well I thought his little snipe unfortunately because I was there going <laughs> I think he like kind of shit himself going forward with these like big South Africans <laughs> going on him and then I was like oh no on the yeah. replay I was like oh no yeah, something's groin or his hamstring was after snapping mm. you could just see his yeah, face um, sniper got him sniper got him I think he did a great job uh, I can't lie I think when Gibson Bark came on it kind of changed the dynamic of, of what we needed to just speed up the game and really kind of punish this South Africans in broken play yeah. um, but I think Connor, you know he stood the test of time and he's evolved and um, I am good for him and I'm, I'm raging he didn't last but for the, the 30 odd minutes that he was on he was a leader and uh, he was key to, to all Ireland did well Yeah I'm delighted for Murray in fairness I think he got his first cap when he was 22 or something like that very young yeah. and 100 caps later and he's still at the top of his game and it's kind of been a roller coaster journey the media went against him for a while and then he, then he was captain for the Lions then he Alan Jones came back so it's been a mad journey for Murray and we're just hoping that his hamstring isn't too bad I think it's his hammy yeah. um, that he'll be back in for Fiji Australia and get ready for the Six Nations test and also Munster need him badly so no big time well I, yeah. I would leave him out of Fiji now to be honest anyway Yeah. Um, but obviously we've we've games coming up but I would leave him out just for just to give him that time because I think Australia have you know they're going to put up a bigger test well as big a test now in two weeks time and Obviously, they did go down, which we'll cover later on the show against France. So I think if I, he's a bit like Sexton, we kind of just need to manage him now. So mm. I think he's done what he needs to. And it's such again, a kind way of putting it. Manage him is in because like, he's getting a bit older. No, I think, <laughs> well, people say that to me. We're managing your time. I was like, no, I'm going to take opportunity. But no, yeah. I think he's so central. He's so key. Just, like as a leader, I'd say on and off the pitch, he's kind of he just seems a really good guy. So I think he's central to what Ireland need and to that group of players so I think no and I think we just need to take the opportunity against Fiji now to just you know blood and give players a lot a lot of time so 100% um, yeah. I think given the test of time let everything soak in and uh, have them back for Australia Definitely I agree with you completely and we lost a front row friend of yours Tyke Furlong he got injured I know he well. was immense like yeah. he was immense um He's so central but I have to I'm going to give a shout out to Finley Beadlam I thought he did exceptionally well because you know I Marty Moore obviously had a great game coming on. Now, I'll be off the bench on, on Friday against New Zealand. He got his first try. It's been seven years since he, you know, but, you know, put on an Irish jersey. So um, I probably would have picked him up ball playing kind of tie head. But I thought Finley came on and he, d he did exceptionally. He was key to a little pop pass for Mac Hansen's try. He got a scrum penalty. Uh, so I th thought he came on, he worked tirelessly. So I thought that was a good peace of mind because after Sexton, the conundrum 
you know, for Ty Head, who's central to everything we do well, and like, who's going to emulate Ty Forlang? He just comes along once in a in a decade. You know, he's just exceptional. Yeah. So I was comforted by that. But obviously, again, I think you know we need Ty. Well, it's really positive for Ireland and the fact that we can lose Murray, Furlong and McCluskey and bring on Jimmy O'Brien who came in at 13, who doesn't really play 13 no. and still beat the world champions. Like It's just really, really positive. And yeah. what did you make of Jimmy O'Brien's performance at 13? Nah, I like him. Like every time he's played full Leinster, he's done incredibly well. Yeah. So like I've <clears throat> been watching him the last couple of months and he's been really good. I like mm -hmm. the way that he plays. He's also, he just, he's, plays flat out as well he's, he's not a the biggest guy no. he's got massive hearts and he just he's got good skill in general so no it's it's always tough and playing against the big south africans he's he's definitely stepped up and like that's a type of um debut you want to have yeah. is beating the world champs um in dublin it must have been very special for him but he, he had a really really good game yeah it's a crazy story i actually know jimmy really well so he was supposed to start on the right wing for ireland a mm. Then Hinshaw dropped out, so Jimmy got brought up into the Irish team, mm. sitting on the bench. And I know Jimmy, he probably just wouldn't like, oh, I'll get one or two minutes at the end. He's yeah. so chill, like he's very mm. horizontally so chill. <laughs> and then he comes on after like 20 something minutes or 30 minutes yeah. and he yeah. plays a 13, which isn't his position. Oh. Well, he can play anywhere from 10 to 15, mm. but 13 is such a pivotal position, as mm. you know. Yeah. And then he had a decent game. So I'm buzzing for Jimmy. He obviously got nominated for European Player of the Year last year. So he's been there, thereabouts mm. playing at top level. But to go in against the world champions at 13 and to win, I just, sh sh hats off to you, Jimmy. And, and can uh, we just, can I build on that? Because uh, his his final pass to Matt Hansen, right? So any young mm. rugby players who are watching him, right? He stays <coughs> square. So mm. Colby has to bite in him and he waits until mm. Colby makes that commitment. Yep. And then he gives that pass mm. to Mark Hansen. Now, people might say, well, that's, you know, you know, that's, you know, exceptional. Mm. No, it's not. He could have absolutely crapped himself, given the pass <laughs> early. And Colby with his speed still would have mm. made that tackle on Mark Hansen. Yeah. So even to keep his composure in mm. that like pivotal moment to stay square and just wait and be patient and calm. Yeah. Like I, I watched like just a couple of the highlights over and I just was like, it's, it's, it's such a small, basic mm. thing. But for any young rugby players... Yeah. just watch them because it's key to, to just those defi defining moments that we all celebrated like 30 seconds yeah. later if even you know and I just thought he was exceptional plus his left boot gave a bit of a different mm. dynamic he got us yeah. out of some really pressurised yeah. situations which obviously we normally rely on James Lowe mm. um, so to come in yeah at 30 in our position and in the heat of battle I'd say he was like oh. yeah it's all fair yeah. and I have to agree with you Lindsay with, with that pause throughout this whole this whole weekend, like a lot of times that pass, not not being behind, not checking that pass, but being in front, yeah. that that's a huge thing. Like especially when the ball's a little bit slippery, yeah. it can be quite tough. And a lot of a lot of the teams that played really well, that's one thing that I that I noticed was the ball being in front and the guy running. You don't have to check you you're running onto the ball. It is that thing, it's such a small thing, basic thing, but it is massive through this whole weekend you could see like whenever that especially wing fullback running onto that ball yeah. it makes all the difference it makes it's it's a small thing but yeah. Yeah. you don't really realize how big of a thing in the end it, it yeah. is i agree with you so you're both such rugby nerds like, <laughs> i agree with you so much like the normal kind of folk wouldn't realize how important jimmy's um pass was there and even hugo's pass as well to catch it up behind him from ty burn bring him back down and give it to jimmy so that just goes down to reps and hours and hours them them guys out in new city training for leinster and out in carton house training for ireland just doing those reps isn't it yeah and especially at, at 
bit South Africa, especially that tribe, bit them a little bit. But the especially with the line speed South Africa brought, like the line Huge. speed was great. But obviously, Ireland knew you guys knew it was coming because that's the way South Africa is defending. But nine out of ten times that worked. Like some of those heads, Jesse Creel, my pimpy, they the. The timing was Hugo Keenan when the was, passes up here, I <laughs> yeah. was like, I would kill you. Like you opened right up, and it, yeah. him be just went boom. But he, the timing is is so good with the with mm-hmm. that r- mad rush that South Africa is bringing. But with that try of Hansen, they just someone got caught on the inside, mm-hmm. didn't come with, and that was that dog leg that he he ran through. Um, it was a Gibson Park. It was Gibson Park, yeah. yeah. And he uh, did he he but he kind of isolated Kits off and then yes, yeah. the type bit in and yeah, you're right. It's just that split moment when you know that communication or just yeah. that that drop in that link. Yeah. And to be fair to Gibson Park, he read it well. Mm, no, he did. And like especially when guys are flying off the line, your timing, you need to hold your feet, you need to be patient, and still mm. being able to, with that skill to get the ball on the outside yeah. is it, it's it's a lot of reputation. But they um. But they did a they did an extremely good job. Yeah, they definitely did their homework, Andy Farrell and, and Co. Because I think very early on in the game, we were up just outside the South African 22 and Murray puts up a box kick and everyone was giving out, what's he doing kicking the ball? But I think it was because to keep South Africa honest, now they'll have to start thinking, oh, what if they do put it in behind and try and slow mm-hmm. down that line speed a little bit. Um, it seemed to have worked. And as you said, it's it, those margins in international rugby mm-hmm. just getting that pass away. Mm-hmm. Where Ireland before wouldn't have gotten those passes away and that's why we're losing these games but you mentioned there Mac Hansen's trying to build up to it with Gibson Park nipping in even pulling it back further than that the whole Doris. team was nearly involved in it even further than that again so Hugo Keenan catches an unbelievable yes. ball yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Byrne kicks it with his left foot mm-hmm. Gibson Park chases it <clears throat> these guys are doing roles that they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be doing Gibson Park goes up and gets it and then you said Doris jumps on the ball a ridiculous offload out the back yeah. mm-hmm. to Van der Fleer through two props hands yeah. and then again to Byrne and out the corner I'm like these guys are top level mm-hmm. players like now and before Ireland wouldn't have finished that try no and like even the confidence of the props because to be honest like when you're kind you're kind of um program to like just do your job and like the fact that like Porter had nice hands and again he stayed calm and Beadlem like just turned on a little pop pass you know and then Gibson Park again he patient because actually that was one thing Ireland Day really got caught with with New Zealand coming so hard on the outside for our like our two line attack uh, and obviously you guys had read it as well but you know Gibson Park waited waited and he's you know you know prematurely shooting and that's what caused the dog leg do you know so um, I just thought Ireland were more composed they were more efficient in what they did so much they, calmer on the ball much calmer before, yeah. and actually I think it was Sinead Kassan wrote about it like just calm in the chaos and under that pressure to make those decisions that's we've seen the rewards for that because sometimes you're not training under pressure, you're not, you're not acclimatized to make those decisions, you know, mm-hmm. split decisions. So I thought it was a huge difference in Ireland that there was a huge confidence in not only the game plan, but obviously plan B. And they were able to adjust depending on what they saw the defense given. Mm-hmm. And I thought they took really good mm-hmm. options at times. And look, we'll go into some of the controversy Rassi has brought up, I'm sure. Um, but I think that's just the, the level of, of, of elite sport and two teams, top class teams going at one another and it's fine margins. But as an entertainment and two teams going at it and it had everything, injuries, mm-hmm. controversy. Um, I, th- I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, to, like before we get on to the big decisions in the game, another amazing try was Van der Fleer's. It's obviously a set piece move that they practiced a hundred times, but Van der Fleer very intelligent to know where the line was and to get it down. It was a great try, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. no, that was brilliant. Um, like, <clears throat> I, I, 
you probably know more about mauling than me, but <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, hopefully. <laughs> but um, no, it was like I don't know how he got it down because he's in the middle of the mall, and to have that vision, like it is, it's mm. it's just really good, um, really clever from him to go down and and score that try. It's it was really good. <laughs> Please, Lindsay, take yeah. over. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, like you're right because when you're in a mall, especially like so, I'd be probably at you know as a front row. You're kind of coming down as a mm. lifter, so you're kind of protecting. You see nothing. You're just like seeing like. That's what I was going to ask you. How jersey. much can Josh see there as he's moving forward? As you're going to the back, you could be guilty of um, just going with momentum, yeah. but the fact that he obviously felt the pressure wheeling. You know what I mean? And that's where you'll see a lot of, say, hookers if they're at the back or like the likes of Josh, like like shearing off because um, you don't want to go with the momentum because obviously the opposition defence will go with him because they have to stay bound. So unless the, the defence has their head up and they're kind of watching anything coming off, that's a really easy score and it's a really traditional score you'll see off them all. But the fact that the whole thing, he stayed bound in the middle, you know, he's like nearly like the yolk of an egg cotton there. <laughs> yeah. And like the fact that he obviously was so aware of where he was, what the momentum was and where the try line was is testament to just His the man yeah. himself. Yeah. Mm. Again, one of the calmest. Yeah. Like he's a workhorse thing. He's 16 tackles. He got a try. He was pivotal in a lot of the good things Ireland did mm. well as he's been doing all year. Surely one of the nominees for World Player of the Year. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Do you think he's put his hand up to be one of the World Player of the Year nominees? 100%. It's about yeah. consistency. Yeah, like there's a couple, <clears throat> there's a couple of guys and um, him definitely. Um, I definitely think um, Audi Sevilla. Like yeah. he, mm. he's one guy that that might be a little bit in front of Josh. Like Josh has been awesome. Don't get me wrong. He's yeah. been phenomenal. But Audi Sevilla has like he just brings something different yeah. to the game. So I know you're probably a bit more. Um, we're biased. We're That's biased. Yeah. That's biased. <laughs> yeah, of um, but yeah, Audi's been phenomenal like the, the difference he makes in every single game and the leg drive that he brings and he's yeah for him he's maybe for me favorites at the moment but um, Josh isn't far behind him but look even to have an Irishman up there with some of the world's yeah. great and I, mm. I agree so he's, he's he's something different isn't he yeah. just he's so he'll do anything you yeah. know and he's always involved but um yeah I just again I think to the lay person with no not being offense the fact that Josh got that try down mm. and didn't go at you know I think I don't know many replays there was to see was his feet in touch and you're just looking at all these white boots and you're obviously looking for his red scrum cap but you're like yeah no I think that's him, that's him. <laughs> um and he just did brilliant so like, yeah hats off, wouldn't yeah. be like it's Irish people to be getting ahead of ourselves anyway. oh, <laughs> you buy the lotto <laughs> I know we're putting the world cup in our hands we're giving Josh world player of the year so we probably need to count a big talking point in the game is Steph Dutois and Colby's tackle on Mac Hansen. What you make of it, Louis, as a South African? Yeah, it's. I definitely think it was. Um, I think both of them were quite lucky. Yeah. I think both, like any other day, both of them could have gotten yellow, maybe even red. But at least Colby probably he was lucky not to get a, a red. Yeah. Like to be. I know he's not driving him down into the ground. But his head is like t getting he contact. He should have just first. brought his legs down. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it should have been a red, I think. I um, think by letter of the law, maybe yeah. should have been a red. Yeah. But I don't think the intention was there from Colby. No, I don't know him as a person, but I presume he's yeah. not trying to flip. No, not at all. And especially with whenever you, we said it's, it's so quick, but mm -hmm. also with the toy lifting him with him. Like, I think Kobe thought he's stronger than he really was. And he just <laughs> lifted him up. And, it's you know, so it happened so quickly. So, and to bring a guy safely down whenever he's lifted that high, it, mm. it's very difficult. So, 
but just the intent of lifting your the legs and yeah. not being um, horizontal but vertical and lifting up that's you're always going to be in, in, in danger, in danger yeah. so uh, so that's one thing that like I, I know I don't know if you saw when uh, Brian Obana and they were talking halftime about that and Brian just thought no he feels like yellow was was fair it was fine but like just in the law I think like it was a red but also for the referees like they they They've got the the law in their hands, so he can see if it was what the intent was like. So it's not a bad thing that the refs can decide um, if they think it's fair to give a red or not. So it might it's it's a good thing that they have that that leverage a little bit. But yeah, yeah I know Brian and and Tommy they they got though Tommy he wasn't very happy about the yellow. Um, him and Zeebs. So but Ryan. Um, Brian thought a yellow was everyone wearing their heart in their sleeve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think think it was red. I see. I don't know what what Louis is kind of touching on there is the refs are allowed to take into account injuries sustained from the incident. They're allowed to take in kind of player reactions around it. Mm. I think letter of the law, it's just so dangerous, and we don't want kids Mm. seeing that it's okay to put someone near their neck and they're only get a yellow, be back on in ten minutes. So I think for that reason, they should have just gone red, even though it's such a pivotal decision. Um, but I'm delighted Hansen didn't get injured and I don't think the intention was there from Colby. And I also think P- Peter Septetrois was very lucky that the camera angles didn't mm. really catch him. But that guy's huge. Like He's obviously mm. helping Colby to flip it, but yeah. Colby got done in. Mm. Um, but see, Colby lifts his legs, right, which yeah. is fine. But see, you know as a player, once you lift, like you're in tr- you, you are in trouble. So if he hadn't lifted the legs so high, because naturally the body, the head will go opposite to where the legs are. Mm. Do you know, that's just laws of physics. So... Um, once you sweep the legs, the player's gone. Just let them down. But see, uh, Steph Detroit was was there and he kind of fell on him. And Mac Hansen on his neck. And I was like, Jesus mm. Christ. But like, we've had Mac on the show. Like yeah. I'd say that fella, it'd take like everyone trying to annoy him to actually even get a reaction out of him. Like he's so chill. So I think he also was good to the players where he didn't milk it. Like he yeah. just got straight back up. But I think just, I would have seen red. Just again, that consistency, how he landed mm. on his neck. Steph Detroit landed on him. It just was dangerous it's for me. Consistency is it's just the law has to be consistent. Yeah, and the touch be, judge yeah. was trying to um communicate with the referee, kind of going, Yeah, look at the trajectory, like mm. and I felt he was kind of saying, like, really think about your decision yes, here. Uh, yeah. Did you they see did, that I interaction? That, yeah. I was like, and referee's also, not getting this. And it's also every person's opinion, because I initially thought it was more Peter Steph than, yes, than, than, Colby. than Colby. Yeah. So like whenever he said that and I saw that, just just think about it, like he fell on his head. Yes. So I saw the the touchy um showing that, the assistant referee showing he lifted it up. So he was trying to indicate, listen, it's it's a bit more than a yellow. Yeah. So yeah, no, he was a bit fortunate. Good luck. Yeah, it's such a big decision for the ref. I think it was, his name is Nika Amashu Kelly. He's Georgian ref. And people yeah, were giving out on Twitter being like, oh, blatant errors and hometown calls. People realize this guy's Georgian. Where are you getting hometown calls from? Like, but uh, he's he, European. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's the first tier two referee to come up, and I think it was uh, last year. He's about he's a year. Brilliant. He is also, very like, good. The the whole game, I think, bar the two uh, the two calls going against South Africa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought he he was he was really he good. Did okay. Yeah, yeah, he did really in good. Fairness, it's a well, tough position to be. It's a tough game. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So we could talk about this game all day, to be honest, but. Louis, what do you think that's going to be like now in the South African camp? The meeting this morning, will Razi be going through them? Will it be positive? What's it like going forward for the staffers now? No, it will definitely be positive. I think they'll they'll take the learnings from it. And just to go back a little bit, they would see 
I think we missed three conversions. What or yeah, one penalty. I think Colby missed three. Mm-hmm. Um, Valencia missed that first penalty. So they would see it. we slot those, we win. Yeah. So it says they would see a missed touch a couple of times yeah. as well. So they would take the positives out of it. There was a lot. They had ample opportunity to win that game. They would. See, I would think they would see it that way and just move forward. Like take what you can from it, take the experience and just move on. Because there was, for South African point of view, there was a lot of positives. Yeah. Like they did really well. It was really close in the end. Small margins, but like I'm really looking forward to to this weekend, uh, France South Africa. I think it's gonna, it's gonna be, be a it's gonna be an awesome game. And a lot of people were talking about the forwards and like. Ireland matched South African big forwards, mm. but a lot of people are saying France. Like that's the team that will, if there's one team that will match the physicality of the South Africans, yeah. will be France. And I think that's going to be South Africa's going ma- to challenge that yeah. and see how we go. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Well, I think the French as well, they can be, as you know, probably like they're moody. So it depends mm-hmm. what France show up. Now, obviously, we we, see, we saw that dispelled last year with their consistency in their mm-hmm. first Grand Slam in, what, 10 years last year. So um, I think it'll be a great game. But I think, obviously, the South Africans will take great learning. And coming back to your point, it's about creating the opportunities, not necessarily the execution. Like, okay. the, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure Willemsen and Colby and, and whoever's taking the conversions this weekend will be just concentrating on the kicking mm-hmm. and, and going over that because... Um, you know, it's it's about the opportunity and those, you know, those small margins that went against you, like Etzebeth's, like, you know, on that break, he would have scored that try. So that's yeah. the difference with it, yeah. you know, and it could have been a win for South Africa we're talking about. So uh, I'll be tuning into that game against France. So yeah. I think it'll be a humdinger and great learnings for both. And obviously they had a great win over the weekend against Australia. So, but a tough yeah. mountain. So yeah, Definitely. We'll, we'll talk about that um, Australia-France game in a while. And we'll also talk about the Ireland A game against New Zealand. But first, we actually want to show a little clip we have of our own producer, Pat, spoke with Stephen Ferris, who's a Grand Slam winner in 2009, all about the Irish Rugby Heritage jersey from Canterbury. Take a look at this. Yeah, like the unit now talked about Pete like you might as well write him off every week because he's going to come back firing his own shots and play and how he does that is by playing really well and like I don't know what it is if it's you know just like when he plays for Monster he's always been good but when he plays for Ireland he's been bloody brilliant like he's been really really good and you could arguably say he's been the best, you know, him and Josh Van der Fleer are probably the best two out of the, that four that you mentioned. Uh, I like Jack Conan. I, I think he's a great footballer. I think he has a place in this Irish side. If I'm picking a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal back row tomorrow, Jack Conan starting number eight, and Josh Van der Fleer and probably Keelan Doris are, are going to start in that if everyone's fully fit. I, I just think with his experience of playing, you know, starting test matches for the British and Irish Lions against South Africa, getting a feel for, for what they're all about. He's a big, huge man himself. I'd say he's easily got seven, eight, maybe even up to 10 kgs on Pete. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I, I just think he's a much bigger man. Uh, but when it comes to set piece, you know, Pete is one of the best in the business on both sides of the ball. And uh, yeah, he's, he's an absolute workhorse and he's a bit of a groundhog as well when he's in the mood. So yeah, it's, it's you know, that's a decision that Andy Farrell's going to make. And, um, 
thank goodness I don't have to make it. But as you rightly say, Pat, there's four guys there that you can rely on week in and week out. And I feel sorry for any of the other back rows trying to get in, like, because uh, it's a bit of a closed shop at the moment. What, what do you think of the, the stuff that Andy Farrell was talking about, kind of owning this kind of like ranking and stuff like that and kind of, because it's a thing where in Ireland, like you're almost, you can't stick your head up too high or else you might get knocked down. Like, you know, is it a, a thing, you know, like we learned from that mistake in 2019, we were almost kind of like didn't want the number one ranking, but maybe maybe he's learned that way. Do you, do you kind of think the, the comments he made are kind of, would, would you kind of agree with some of that stuff like that he's recently said? Yeah, I think some of that stuff filters down into the group. Like and it's more of a um, psychological thing that you don't you don't go out onto the training pitch or out onto the pitch on Saturday against South Africa constantly you know have it in the back of your head that you're the number one team in the world like that's just come automatically and, and it, it, it washes straight over you and you're just fully focused on your job and, and I, I think that's what will happen of course it will but by Andy Farrell coming out and saying that that you got to own it it's sort of it's sort of like it's 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 just like a when the boys go out, they, they have the backing of the coach who believes that they're the number one side as well. And like when you publicly come out and say that, it's it's going to filter down. It's going to breed a lot of confidence. And uh, and I like that attitude. I like that style. Um, you know, years gone by, we we're sitting in a meeting room in 2012, 13, whatever it was. We're sitting fourth or fifth in the world, and we're all nudging each other, thinking we're great because we're still behind New Zealand, England and South Africa. And like the, the last one I was going to ask you is nothing got to do with the, any, the stuff. It's kind of about your teammates. And uh, we probably covered some of these back in the day when we were kind of doing the book as well together. But who was the kind of funniest teammate you ever had or uh, the, the maddest teammate you ever had and, and any kind of good stories about them? Oh, Jesus. Um, well, as you know, like I wrote with Sean O'Brien for an awful lot of of my caps and yeah rugby world cup 2011 was was good crack and uh yeah we, we probably created a bond like it's you know that will, will probably last forever like you know over that space of the, the eight weeks really good crack he's a good lad he's a friend and he's somebody that would have your back but he's also an absolute head kiss <laughs> he's not as he would say He's not the full bag of sweets. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he, 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 like, I'm coming out of the shower and the next thing he jumps out of a wardrobe completely naked. <laughs> Just to scare the living crap out of me. And, um, you know, you, you get out, you think you're in the room in your own. You're, the next thing he jumps out behind the bed and he's like, he's just, he's always, always trying to have a bit of crack. And, uh, you know, something with Sean, he was like, he was always laughing, always had a smile on his face. Always um, trying to bring the best and the same out in you. And he always used to call me Seesaw, like, because one minute was up and then one minute was down and one minute was up. And my wife tells me that he was right, <laughs> <laughs> but he was always generally up. Uh, and then he could just flick a switch when it came to training, when it came to matches. He just get into the zone and um, he was an absolute privilege and, um, to, to play alongside. And he certainly brought the best out of me. But um, yeah, the lift didn't go the whole way to the top with Shawnee O'Brien. <laughs> so yeah Stephen Ferris has great words to have about Peter Manny there who had an unreal game in the weekend I thought he really had that doggedness and that kind of fatherly figure and obviously it's an unbelievable back row that Farrell can choose from but the Ireland A game was on the weekend as well and there's a couple of back rows in there that did well Timney was there Prendergast do you think anyone put their hand up Lindsay to get into the Fiji game this weekend? Uh, 
Uh, do you know what? I was hoping to see a lot more from the Ireland A back row because obviously Gavin Coombs is only back from injury, but he's, you know, he's, we've covered his stats with Munster and I think, you know, his um, opening couple of games with Ireland has been positive, but I thought, you know, he absolutely was in the wars after. I thought King Pendergast definitely put his hand up for me. I thought he showed great leadership. Um, Nick Timoney had a good few involvements. Uh, now, obviously, when you're looking at Ireland against South Africa, they had 70 plus uh, rook involvement, so they, their work rate was ridiculous. Um, amongst the other stats so I definitely think the two lads I'd like to see them in against Fiji to be honest um, who else put up uh, Thornbury actually had a good game I thought at second row um, who else for me I thought Craig Casey did, he did not He did an awful night now to be honest uh, yeah, going up against TJ Pernara oh, though like he was so sake. seasoned yeah well look the All Blacks 15 beat Ireland Day 47-19 to be honest now it was a bit of a spanking like it was a bit of a lesson for the boys which I think would be good for them do you think it would be good for them Louis or do you think it would be damaging yeah, it's tough. I think it'll be disappointing. Um, yeah. There's a lot of guys that want to put their hands up, yeah. especially if you <clears throat> look at Casey, if you look at Hume, Jacob. There's a bit of experience there, and they want to put their hands up. They would be massively disappointed. So that's one of the games you want to, and especially going into Fiji, they would think they'll they'll maybe get a run in, and having a result like that might make things a little bit more difficult. But like you want to. Individually, you want to perform, but also you want to show, like, as a team, yeah. you can you can click and you play well. So it is quite tough. Um, I would love to see Hume get a get a chance. He was um, very disappointed though. Yeah, he was taken off. Yeah, he, was, he looked really yeah. dejected. Now he did. Yeah, yeah. And he I was disappointed for him. Yeah. He did, and then obviously Jacob Stockdale as well. Mm. Like we seen him on the ball, but he didn't do anything. Whereas shout out to Jacob now, first time back in an Irish jersey mm. in what over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a fair yeah. play. Good to see him back. No, in the pitch. big time. He's been good for Ulster. Like I know he he hasn't scored so many tries, mm. but every time he touches the ball, he's got that like you know that spring back. He's he's lo- uh, he's he's breaking a lot of tackles. Yeah, he's making gain line. He's That's making gain thing. line. Yeah. He's he's breaking tackles. He's he's heavily involved. Mm. That left foot of his is is massively beneficial. So like I think he just needs massive. He needs game, game time. time yeah. He needs game time. He needs confidence because he's a massive confidence player. Yeah. So as soon as he gets back into, I'm sure whenever he gets back and he gets that whole of that, I don't know, 11 jersey, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna put everything into it, and he probably won't want to let it go. So like, I, I I think he just wants that opportunity. We should again. see him against Fiji, though. Would you yeah, think? I think so. I think he I think should so, yeah. even be in the squad. Sachi will get the call up for the Fiji game, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the, there'll be a couple of guys getting a, a call up and. Um, getting some yeah because I think the two lads did very well and I don't see them actually being shifted because <coughs> Balakun had very few involvements yeah. but when he did he did I, I was impressed with him yeah. very solid yeah very very yeah. solid made some mm. great defensive reads and obviously Matt Hansen is Matt Hansen so I don't see those guys losing their jersey for the Australia game and obviously Conway still heavily injured and um uh, James Lowe so who actually played in the wing why is his name eluding me Munster guy he, I thought he did Shane very Daly. well no Calvin Nash, thank you very much. Thanks, Calvin Pat. Nash did excellent, I thought. I thought he was actually standout for me. Uh, got on very little ball, worked really hard, was involved in everything that we did. Really worked tirelessly in the build-up to Marty Morris try. So I'd like to actually see how he gets on. Not sure he's going to get the nod for Fiji, but actually a man who's gotten so little exposure and monster and inconsistency. I actually thought he was great now, uh, to be fair to him. On, on, he was really, it was men against boys, but I thought he really fronted up. And um, sorry, Calvin, your name was on Tim Ming's organizer. I just had a block there. <laughs> right, so, yeah, no, um, Calvin Nash has definitely had a good few couple of weeks. And 100%. It's going to be interesting to see who Farrell picks for the, this yeah. upcoming weekend. Yeah, And it's also, I don't know, he probably would have that team picked 
you know, prior week to prior. Prime, he? Yeah. Like it's it's probably he would know roughly who he wants to take to the World Cup. He's got a he's got a strong idea, and mm-hmm. I think he he knows who, who he would like to to put into that team and see how they go. Like I know a lot of guys want to put their hands up and. But he would have a rough idea. Who maybe someone impressed him a little bit and give him that that nod. But he would he would know. Yeah, yeah sure you know yourself, Louis. P- fellas could be um, impressing a training that we wouldn't see, and he wants yeah. to give him a shot. So yeah. can't Crowley wait to see as the well. team. She, Crowley as well. Come on, because Frawley obviously got injured. Frawley took a good try. Now that was the the big thing. Um, so a couple of lads, um, you know, they did well in a very very tough outing. Yeah. Uh, to be first, but it was disappointing now overall because uh, like they New Zealand targeted the rook, they really come up high on light speed, and I don't think our guys actually read that. It's you know like we gave a lot of turnover ball mm. by just simple pass and interception, and I just yeah. think that's like they were naive kind of mistakes now to make. But you know that's the that's why Ireland A is there. That's why lads need game time, and it's those. You know, my philosophy on any type of sport is unfortunate. Like mistakes are the biggest learning curve. And if you're willing to open yourself up and learn from them, then um, they're good. Out exactly. Big lesson. And Damon McKenzie and his All Black 15s oh definitely God, taught the boys a lesson. <laughs> oh, my God. He's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, we're moving on anyway. France versus Australia was a crack of a game. Instead, the France 30 points to 29. Damien Pinot with his try at the end. Did you see it? Yeah, no, I saw it. it was br- I thought it was a bit, it wasn't great defence. Like there, there was a couple, yeah, it was pretty poor defense, yeah. but he is some finisher. Like, Classic I know, in the outlet. Oh, yeah. he his is, footwork, the speed. Yeah, no, he is so quick. Like he's one of the top wings at the moment. So no, he's brilliant. But the whole game for me was was exactly the same. Was so ferocious. Mm. Um, Australia, like they they've got a really young squad, but they can be dark horses for for next year. Like I think they, so. They are. They've they've yeah. played really well. They were unfortunate a couple of times in the championship against New, New Zealand. They played. They're playing some good rugby. So it, it was a cracking game. Yeah, it was. And France stayed in the fight with Thomas Ramos. Uh, just kept pinging over goals, um, yeah, which is nice for France to have a reliable kicker yeah. like that. But I, I agree with you, Australia, they're doing something nice down there and they'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with next year in France um, at the World Cup. So we'll see. And another game that was on in Twickenham, it's hard not to smile at this one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're so typically Irish, we're like, oh, let's go through this score now. Argentina on a wet day in London, in South West London, came and beat England in Twickenham. I was, I couldn't believe it. I, 16 years in the waiting, congratulations. Congratulations yeah. to the Argentinians. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. so passionate. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's tough for England to to take that loss at home by one point, but it was a good game. Did you, did you catch it? Yeah, no, I watched it. Yeah, Argentina was just immense. They weren't they? Yeah, they were brilliant. So I was so happy for them. But, something's just not clicking for the England team. Like I know Eddie Jones said like they, it's not far off, but like that, the box kicks are just a little bit too far. Mm. Like it's just a bit too sloppy. Like everything is just that. The timing is off. The timing is off. It's just, everything's just that little bit off and you can't Mm. really put your finger on it. But like the Argentinians were just, Awesome. Like, uh, they were they brilliant. Were brilliant. Yeah. And uh, who, uh, Botelli, uh, I think, scored 25. Yeah, Botelli, yeah. Botelli, sorry. Um, yeah, they were just immense and like skip passes. They look like, you know, we, we kind of look at these na- nations that aren't, you know, stereotypically from rugby background and like Las Pumas, like 16 years in the making, coming to Twickenham and, and winning finally. And they were well worth it. And I think Michael Cheka is a great addition. Mm-hmm. And I think he's he's built on a good couple of wins uh, during their summer series against obviously the big nations in New Zealand and South Africa. And I think, you know, uh, watch the space. So I'd like to see them continue that now for the next year um, and really build on what mm-hmm. they've, they've built so far. But again, I think for them, it'll be depth. 
um, of their squad and how quickly they can get that depth up in the next kind of 12 months, to be honest. Yeah. And one, Buffelli, whenever you mention him, he's been brilliant. Yeah. Like he's had Incredible. a couple of great, great seasons. Like yeah. he's up there with for me with Penno. He's not the, maybe not the, the same finisher at, but he's just solid. Like he kicks, he kicks really well. Yeah. He brings that to the to the game. But just in general, like his his mentality, his skill in the air, mm. like he's he's an all around brilliant player. He's been in, in great form, so he's a huge asset for them. Yeah. I thought that as I was watching the game, I was like, Buffelli is such an MVP, like the yeah. most valuable player mm. for Argentina. Yeah. Kicks 100%. from everywhere, yeah. Yeah. so solid. Just mm. always does his job. Um, always does it for Edinburgh as well yeah. so I'm hoping he doesn't get injured because Argentina yeah. kind of need him on the wing mm. and that's where we go with the depth you know yeah. those nations can't afford to lose <clears throat> mm. big players whereas like we've seen obviously with South Africa and Ireland we get by yeah. because we've such mm. experience everywhere else you know you can kind of change mm. your game plan yeah. but, uh, so I think Michael Checker like obviously we've seen him do Leinster and, and every other team he's come in so I think his experience and mm. you know pinpointing what he'll need in the next yeah. 12 months you know and, and actually when we go on to maybe the women's we've the turnaround in the Black Ferns in 12 months, it can be done. Yeah, exactly. And they have um, a friend of the show, Conte Pomi, is in there as well in the mm. coaching staff for Argentina. Mm. So he'll bring a bit of expertise. But I agree with you just to kind of finish up with the England-Argentina thing. I think the back line's a bit all over the place for England, but I think their forwards are nicely together. Yeah. Sinclair had a great game. Mm. Uh, Genge had a great game. Atoja always had a great game. So I think they're just trying to figure out the back line. Yeah. They had Joe cocking a singy on the wing they're mm. too langy back in anytime he's some way fit they play him yeah so he lasted 67 like he's a yeah. year hasn't played and I think he did what he did well cock a singer, he like he had a dismal like summer series and he probably is lucky to get back in and he, he just fight he got a great try big strong man yeah. he got over the line so I think they just need to figure out their back line would you yeah. agree Louis yeah definitely I was I was actually thinking this might be very controversial and a lot of people probably Hit won't us. but I don't know Marcus Smith like if I don't know if he should put Farrell back at 10 like he, I know Marcus Smith is a phenomenal talent. Like he's an individual, he's brilliant. But Farrell just controls the game so well. Like he's he's a, like he's a ten. He's a proper proper ten, yeah. and he's a really good team player. Mm. So for for me, like a couple of like a couple of a season or two back, like whenever he controlled the game, they looked much sharper. And that's maybe something that they are just missing. So it might be a bit controversial, but like if they if they move him back and maybe Slade at 12, mm -hmm. like a bit more that might be something that they're missing but yeah, yeah I, I don't have to make that no, choice no, good so. I do somewhat agree with you and to kind of you could nearly compare that to Joey at 10 we like mm -hmm. to see him at 15 and mm -hmm. put like a, a Crowley mm -hmm. at 10 for yeah, Munster yeah. if you put Farrell at 10 for England mm -hmm. and put Marcus at 15 maybe yeah, something like maybe. that mm -hmm. Eddie Jones you can have that advice for free mm -hmm. from myself <laughs> 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 uh, but anyway moving on to, in the Autumn Nation series New Zealand seemed to be backed in, in flying form they smashed Wales and Cardiff 55-23 mm -hmm. Artie Savea was next level, wasn't he, Louis? Yeah, no, he was phenomenal. But ball carrying is it next? Like it's incredible. It's incredible, but also that I don't know that the ball was very slippery underfoot. You could see mm. there was a lot of handing errors. But one thing for me that New Zealand just brings to the game is the carries. Like they've got incredible the the ball that they get is so quick you can't live with it. But they, it's not really like a lot. I know a lot of teams focus on placing the ball and that reach and to get quick ball, but they get quick ball by 
by their footwork, getting over the advantage line, big carries, and then you get the quick ball. So, and then their passing is just phenomenal. It's 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 yeah. just on point in front, exactly where you want it to, to be. But they just those basics. Call it basics, but it's it's obviously it takes skill. Yeah. But that's what enforces the quick ball and just makes it difficult to yeah, catch. Exactly. Well, a couple of uh, talking points just to kind of run through in that match. Um, Aaron Smith is the most capped All Black ever, beating Dan Carter. Um, I think it's 113 games he, he has now. Uh, Rio Dyer on the wing for Wales, his mm. debut, got a lovely try. They mm. went through like a, a knife through butter, which is great to see. Rio Dyer, a friend of the show. Um, Alwyn Jones is probably going to have a few words with Tendai <laughs> Matarira this morning. Oh my God. Uh, that beast. was brazen. I was yeah. like, oh. So before, what he said, so uh, Tendai Matarira, the beast, went on to Twitter and said, Alwyn Jones, about time to retire. A good dancer knows when to leave the dance floor. I'm sure there's a young Welsh lock waiting for his return in that jersey. Bit disrespectful, in my opinion, Louis. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a bit harsh from the beast. You know, yeah. a lot of times as a rugby player, you don't you don't see what that person brings into a squad. What that person brings to it's not as if Alan Jones he didn't play well. He's not playing well, but he brings that experience. He brings something different that. A young guy might not bring and he's just not, Bivak might not be completely happy with. So he brings so much experience and bring him off the bench. There's no issue with that, you know? So like, there's a reason why he's there. So for me, like that coach, like it's international rugby. It's not as if it's a club and you're hanging on, you know, it's international rugby. So there's a, there's a, must be a bigger reason for him to be there. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, just... The beast, I wouldn't want to be bumping into Jones at some game now. Um, another uh, fixture in the weekend was Scotland versus Fiji. Scotland won 29-12 uh, with a Finn Russell not picked for a Scotland team. But um, Hastings did well, actually got himself a try. Mm. So well done to Scotland, keep going. And we're moving on to our Never Stop Competing moment of the week now, uh, partnered with Bank of Ireland. And we're giving it to Jimmy O'Brien, who we mentioned earlier, got called in from the A-team. Played at 13, had an unbelievable game. Um, so shout out to you, Jimmy. Well done, fella. I'm proud of you. You. Come on, J-O-B. Yeah. And Women's World Cup, just kind of rounded up. We're going into the final this weekend. England v New Zealand. Fill us in what's going on, Lindsay. Yeah, so anyone who missed it, missed two cracking semi-finals over the weekend. England just got over the line against Canada. Canada did very well. And actually, Sarah Hunter spoke after that, you know, for an amateur team who aren't fully professional, they did extremely well. So they won 26-19. Uh, Claudia McDonald, who's partner of Cleaner Maloney, took the ball. This is like the most unorthodox. You're, you're told never to play the ball from your exit. Uh, England took it from a scrum. Mm. Claudia McDonald made a break to halfway, hit Abby Dow, and it was like full length. Uh, I saw try. that try. That, that was phenomenal. The speed in the end was yeah. just, yeah, it was brilliant. It was Such ridiculous. A good try, yeah. uh, For a semi final. I know. I was like, God, no yeah. fear there. Just go. But yeah. like, uh, there are obviously three, and Ellie Kildun was following up. So three Wasps, ex Wasps players. And then, to be honest, the, the the game of the weekend, if you didn't catch it, was New Zealand and France. It ended up 25 yeah. 24 with Caroline. Um, uh, drew on missing uh, a penalty mm. uh, at the end which Same she probably name. was it's hard right in front of the post yeah. but I was like yeah. oh my god should you be just there but uh, Ruby Tui did you see her try kick through and uh, oh, she had no right to win that ball a little toe poke yeah. um, and just put it down just with about like maybe a centimetre before she hit the, the end line so um it's going to be cracking. It's going to be a full Eden Park, I think, for the mm. final. New Zealand against England. New Zealand have won five out of the last uh, six World Cups, but England are on their 30th consecutive test win. Sure. So it is it's going crazy. to be a humdinger yeah. this weekend. So mm. get up Who's out of your bed. Who's your money on? Do you know what? 
really on paper, England should win and they probably, with the consistency, deserve it. However, the pressure of living up to that and then New Zealand coming, like Marcus Smith, um, Wayne Smith, I beg your pardon, has come in six months ago. He's revolutionised the Black Ferns. Some of their skip passing uh, and their passing in general and just some of their kick-throughs, unbelievable. They just want to play rugby at its most flamboyant uh, version. And I think with a home crowd and all the behind them, I actually think New Zealand might pip it because they're going in as underdogs, really. And I think that's when they're at their most dangerous. Um, but I just wish for just a really cracking match, to be honest. But I think, in my heart, I think New Zealand, I think, will win it this weekend. I love it. What do you think, Louis? Yeah, it's, it's two massive games yeah. as well. Yeah, we're so intense. Um, yeah, I was thinking the same. That pressure of 30 games, that's un yeah. that's unbelievable. That, But... Like England's got some athletes in their team. Like mm -hmm. they are just brilliant. Being at home, New Zealand, you know, like it's they're a different animal. It's aren't a they? different animal. Yeah. It's it's very different there. But with that confidence, you just don't know. I, I I think England will take it just because of the confidence and the. I think they just got better players in general yeah. than the, than um, the All Blacks, so I, the Black Ferns. So I think I think England will take yeah. it. My head says England, but my heart wants New Zealand <laughs> to win it at home. Oh, it'd be lovely for those ladies, mm. wouldn't it? Um, another kind of tip of the hat to the Rugby League World Cup, where Tonga Samoa played in the final, and Tonga won twenty points to eighteen. But the start of the game, they Love. both did their hackers. I presume they're not called hackers uh, respectively, but they did it right in front of each other. Look that up on Twitter; it's incredible. Um, um, and congrats to Tonga getting the win there in the Rugby League World Cup. But unfortunately, guys, that's all we have time for. Lindsay, thanks so much as oh, always. Thank you. Louis, thank you very much for coming in. I hope you enjoyed it. No, I loved it. Thank you very much Brilliant. for having me. Really oh, enjoyed it. You'll be, you. you'll be back. <laughs> Great to have a South African in. But um, that's all we have time for today, guys. And of course, a big thank you to Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Thanks very much. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.